0: So good morning, everybody. and welcome to Heights Christian Church. I'm Pastor John Socran. It uh, seems that whatever I have to say today was not something the enemy wants you to hear, but I'm here anyway. You know, remember the last time I was up here, I mentioned that a, a good pastor will spend about twenty hours uh, researching and, and preparing their sermon. And that is for a pastor that that preaches once a week, preaches every week. We have two full-time staff here, pastors, and so it's every other week for them. So Pastor Mark had mentioned that uh, when he does it, he counted it up. He gets about 36 hours of research and preparation for the sermons. And I assume that Jeremy does the same thing. Well, the reason I brought this up, because I found out that I was preaching this Sunday right before I left for Dallas. And so I drove the 12 hours to Dallas. It's, it's about a 10-hour drive, but since my children live in the area, I stopped and visited with them on each one, go, coming and going. And uh, so it was about 12 hours for me to travel there. And then when we went to the men's summit, it was a 12- to 14-hour day away from, the, uh, away from the hotel. Not much time to study during that time. And shortly after I returned, I developed bronchitis. I spent a week in bed. I didn't crack a book. I popped the top on some cough syrup and went to sleep. And then after that finally went away, um, it's now moved from the chest up into the throat. So if you hear me coughing, I'm I'm not contagious. It is allergies, part of all that. So I just wanted you to know that uh, I didn't put as much preparation as I usually do. And I apologize for that. But if it turns out to be good, you can praise the Holy Spirit for that because it will be Him speaking through me. And if it's horrible, that's my fault. So, so how many of you read the materials this week, or saw the videos, or did both, or followed along? Um, I noticed Monday's video was watched like 40 times, and uh, the title of it was "Wash Your Hands." See, this came from the first portion of our reading in which the Pharisees had complained to Jesus that the disciples were eating without washing their hands. So, washing your hands is important. But what they were talking about was a ceremonial way of washing their hands so they could be ceremonial clean. And their complaint was that that Jesus' disciples did not live according to the tradition of the elders when they, by ceremonially washing their hands. So let's read Jesus' response in Mark chapter 7, verses 6 through 23. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely, merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is, is devoted to God. Then you are no longer with them. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Again Jesus called the crowd to him and said listen to me everyone and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And after he left the crowd and entered the house, the disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomachs, and then out of their body. And in saying this, Jesus declared that all food's clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So I chose this section that you may understand. My sermon is broken down in three parts. The title of it is That You May Believe... But first, we need to understand. So, the first section is that you may understand. So, I want you to understand how the traditions of man can cause someone to misunderstand the word of God. They misunderstand the commands of God. The disciples didn't understand what Jesus meant. And so, they asked him. And his response to them in private can help us to understand what causes us to understand? Uh, what causes us to be unclean in the eyes of God? And when we better understand this, when we better understand what causes us to sin, we can better recognize it before it goes totally wrong for us. I suffer from PTSD and anxiety. It doesn't bode well for a person who's an introvert. And some of y'all didn't know I was introverted, but I am. You know, once I told a friend that that didn't like hanging around humanoids very much. And she says, being a pastor might not be for you, John. (laughs) But it's not about me. It's about what God has called me to do in my life. And so if any of you have ever been to where I live, that's where I go to recharge my extrovert batteries. So that when I come here, I spend time with people and I enjoy it. And so I spend time, I enjoy spending time with other believers. You know, as someone who was angry with God for many years, I shut myself off from the world. I didn't go to church. I didn't talk to other people. I didn't talk to other believers. And I'm here to tell you through experience that when you withhold yourself, you will crumble. You will fall, and you will fall deep in sin. It was through this period of time that, that God sent people into my life to slowly bring me back to help me understand that when I fail when I sin when I'm angry with God that he still loves me. And me understanding this now on the back side of it because hindsight is 2020, helps me to help other people. I can understand when I'm having a PTSD episode coming on or when I have anxieties and I know the tools that I need to use in order to stop that from happening so I better understand myself and since I understand myself I understand when triggers happen that will cause me to sin and that is what we need to do is understand what causes us to sin and put a stop to it will we always be successful? without Christ? no with Christ, you have a better chance. So looking at that list that Jesus had described, we can see that we have thoughts that pop up into our minds. and These things are not what cause us to sin. It is the dwelling on them that will lead to sin. So let's look at 2 Corinthians ten three through 5. For though we walk... In the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Because bad thoughts will lead us to sin, Paul tells us to take every thought captive, and when we do that, it doesn't lead there. Don't dwell on it, don't ponder it, don't revisit it, let it go. We cannot help the thoughts that pop into our minds, but we can determine how long they stay there. Second section is that you may believe. Now that we understand, we need to believe. Have you ever thought that you knew someone? Someone? And found out later that you only knew a little bit about them. Happens all the time in our life. This past week's readings, it seems the disciples knew who Jesus was. And then he would say something. They didn't understand him. They didn't really know everything about him. These came in the form of Jesus telling his disciples. That he must suffer and die and then rise again in three days. And Peter confessed The first time was right after Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ. So let's look at that. In Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 33. Now Jesus and his disciples went out of the towns, went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road he asked his disciples, saying them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah and others one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter had answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should not tell anyone about him. And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. But when he had turned around and looked at the disciples. Oh, I'm sorry. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he turned around and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. See, Peter knew Jesus was the Messiah. He had witnessed the miracles, he had witnessed many miracles and still did not fully understand what Jesus was on earth to do. See, the second time that Jesus spoke of his death and resurrection was after his transfiguration and the healing of the, uh, the boy with the epileptic spirit. These stories are here so that we can better understand and come to believe who Jesus was and is. Who he said he was who he said he is, and he is the Messiah. And those who walked with him saw the miracles that he did during his ministry, and they still had trouble understanding. Just to name a few from the three chapters that we read this past week, we have the long distance casting out of the demon for the Syrophoenician woman. She wasn't there. It was distance. My daughter needs help. So he did that. The healing of the deaf and mute man. Feeding 4,000 men after feeding 5,000. Feeding 4,000 men on very little food. Healing the blind man. Healing the demon-possessed boy with the epileptic fits. And one of the miracles that Peter and them saw was a transfiguration of Christ. So let's look at that in Mark chapter 9 verses 2 through 10. Now after 6 days Jesus took Peter James and John and led them up on high mountain apart from themselves and he was transfigured before them his clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow such as no launderer on earth can whiten them and Elijah appeared with them with Moses and they were talking with Jesus and Peter answered and said to Jesus rabbi it is good for us to be here and let us make 3 tabernacles one for you one for Moses And one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came down and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one anymore, but but only Jesus with themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen, Till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And so they kept this word to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. And then the third time Jesus tells them of his resurrection, death and resurrections in Mark uh, chapter 9, 30 through 32. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise on the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. We've had 2,000 years post resurrection, have had countless scholars over the last 20 centuries who have discussed, debated, And sometimes agreed over what had happened so we think we have a fairly good grasp on it but the disciples were living there in the moment it's the first time anything like this had ever happened and so they didn't comprehend it we can't fault them for that how many grew up having an antenna where you got four channels and then all of a sudden satellite dish came out right the big one, the eight footer that took up half your yard, and you didn't understand how it worked, you just knew that it did. Having had 20 years of, of aircraft communication experience, I understand how it happens, how it works, and what it does. But as a little boy, I didn't understand. To me, it was a miracle. How did this stuff happen? Remember video disc players? They were compact discs. They were, they were the size of a record. You could watch a movie on them, and halfway through the movie it said turn disc over, so you had to turn it over to watch the other half of the movie. Now you can watch everything on your phone. It's crazy how technology has changed, but we didn't understand how it happened. We knew it did. So we can't fault the disciples for not understanding what Jesus was saying because they had never seen anything like it before. We have hindsight. They did not. They saw it firsthand. But because they wrote it down, because they wrote down that they didn't understand, we can understand because they had their doubts. You remember doubting Thomas the Apostle? He's like, I'm not going to believe Jesus has resurrected until I put my hands where his wounds were. Jesus pops up and says, okay, let's do this. Some people shake their heads, you know, and Thomas was doubting. Without that story in scripture, somebody might come up and say, no, no, it was someone that looked like Jesus. Maybe he had a twin brother they didn't talk about, right? No, it was Jesus Christ because he said, touch the nails. Put your hand in my side. It is I. I have overcome death. We can't fault Thomas for that. We can't fault anybody for not understanding things that they see firsthand. That we have had 2,000 years of learning and scholars to, to show us how it goes. But Thomas did believe when he witnessed it. And they wrote it down, not to embarrass Thomas, but so that we would know We would understand and we would come to believe. And when we come to believe, we get to tell others so that they might believe. And that's section three. So we'll take a look at a couple of passages from our reading that illustrates the importance of right believing and right thinking. Let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 36 and 37. Then he took the little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these, as little, these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives me not, not me, but him who sent me. Now we're going to skip down to verses 42 through 48. And if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, To stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. That is not what happened to me. It's not. It is not. All right. It is better for you to enter life crippled Than to have two feet and be thrown into hell And if your eye causes you to stumble Pluck it out It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye Than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell Where the worms that eat them do not die And the fire is not quenched You see, Jesus notes that taking and receiving these little children is the same as receiving Him and the same as receiving the one who sent Him, and that is God. Having witnessed the baby dedication earlier, we not only are receiving the little children which God has blessed us with, but we are making a promise to raise that child in a godly Christian home with the intention of teaching them That we understand about Jesus, what we understand about Jesus, and what we believe about Jesus. It is a tough task for these parents that they have ahead of them. Because in order to teach them, the parents must first understand and they must first believe themselves. Teach them well. Let's look at next week's reading. Go into Mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 16. Jesus loves the little children. All the little children of the world. Y'all know the rest of that song? Knowing that Jesus loves children. And he tells us that we need to receive the kingdom of heaven as a little child. That is, we are to have faith and believe. Just like a little child who depends on their parents for everything. Including the truth and a path for life. The reason for discipleship is so that they may believe as well. Let's look at Romans ten fourteen through seventeen. How how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel for peace of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In context, you might could say that faith comes by hearing the preaching or the teaching of the word of God. While not everyone is called to stand up here in the pulpit, I certainly did not ever think I would be here doing this. Neither did my mom. We did talk about it. Every one of us here are called to teach others. And that is found in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. It has no expiration date. It is for life. It's for as long as you live that you are to tell others of Christ. If you have not noticed, Pastor Don certainly has not quit. He's at least five years older than me. He's retired from getting paid as a full-time pastor, but I would surmise that he is just as busy now, if not busier, than he was when he was a full-time pastor. There's no expiration date on the Great Commission. I have heard other people saying, Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm waiting for Jesus to come. Well, good. While you're waiting, go tell your neighbor about Jesus. Because there's no expiration date on the Great Commission. At first, we understand that we believe, but if we don't tell others, they may never believe. We're called to, to help them to believe. And that is what our life is about. Parents, You are the first teacher of Christ your children will hear and listen to. You are the example of a life in Christ that they will observe growing up. It is important that you commit to doing this thing of teaching them so that they do not stumble. The Gospels tell of the ministry of Christ. They also tell of the problems the disciples had in understanding what was going on and believing what they were witnessing until they finally understood upon the resurrection of Christ what he was talking about. Pastor Mark mentioned last week about being all in. If you don't understand, if you don't believe, you can't be all in. The examples in the scripture tells us the times people don't believe or they don't understand and they ask questions and they bring it about because life doesn't change. We all are the same in human nature. They, the disciples finally understood that Christ was not here to establish an earthly kingdom but it took the death, burial, and resurrection for them to comprehend that. we can understand because we've had 2,000 years of people researching it and then teaching because Christ made that sacrifice on the cross we are able to come to God covered in his blood as righteous people you see I do not believe that the disciples were truly all in until after Jesus defeated death on the cross, or death at his resurrection. They couldn't comprehend what he was saying to them until a point, and then the light came on. Peter was not all in when he denied knowing Jesus. It's a prime example. But after the resurrection, he understood it all. You remember when Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah? Matthew adds more to that. We're going to read that same section, but with Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, exact same word, so we know it's the same story, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, I the Son of Man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says this that's not in Mark. Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood had not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Amen. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ see Peter didn't understand what Jesus was telling him what do you mean I'm going to be a rock what do you mean you're going to place your church on me right he didn't understand until after the resurrection of Christ Because they wrote these things down. This is so that we can believe as well. We understand. We believe. Now we go out. And we disciple others. So that they may believe. Peter didn't understand. Until he was restored. in John chapter 21. When Christ said. Follow me. After that. Peter was all in. Preaching Christ. He had been given the keys to the kingdom. First thing that happened is what we, is that we understand. Then we believe. And then we tell others so that they will believe. Our lives should reflect Christ in us. And that shows others that he is there and what he does for our lives. So we are reading through the Bible in five years. So that we will understand... So that we will believe and we are better able and better equipped to tell others about the love of Jesus Christ. And how he has changed our lives. Let's go ahead and stand. Go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. Father, we thank you for your word and how you work in our lives. So that we can understand and believe it. For it is you who gives us peace. It is you who gives us understanding. It is you who loves us. So that we may love others. You are our rock and the foundation of our lives. And we ask that you will give us the opportunity. To tell others of the love of Christ. The boldness to do so. And the understanding of how to reach the lost. And give us peace and safety as we leave here. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.